Hello and welcome to the discussion. Today I will discuss a few points to remember with you all. This is dedicated to personal development. And we're going to underscore the meaning here of personal development. If you've listened to these before, you get the idea. We're going to go in deep, beyond the surface, beyond the illusion, and beyond what you think you know. I'm going to use my meditative state to calmly center the gravity within myself and reach out and pull in these lessons that I've been consciously struggling with for many, many years. And we're going to discuss this idea of personal development because right now it seems like an absolute onslaught of personal coaches teachers, master classes, you've seen the ads, Tony Robbins, and other teachers. They charge a lot of money. There's always a catch. There's always this, well, I'll tell you, but what do they need? They need your email. Sometimes they want your phone number. They want some money. They need to sign up for their program. There's a lot of people teaching a lot of things, but there's always a cost. So why is that? We're going to talk about that first. Why is there a cost? Shouldn't it be free? This is a philosophical argument. Well, inherently, yes and no. When you subscribe to someone else's system that they put together, for them to expect a payment of some kind isn't inauthentic, it's not out of bounds. But the question becomes, will you get what you're paying for? Will you get enough of what you think? So if you have to pay $50 or $500 or $5,000, are you going to get your money's worth? And some of these guys, you can see them online. Dan Pena, people pay, I've heard $15,000 for a seminar for an old man who's claiming to be really wealthy to curse them, yell at them, to flash his firearms, and to threaten them. Now, people that sign up for this class and this seminar, I wonder, do they feel like they got their money worth when when Dan brandishes his gun? They say, okay, now we're cooking. He flashes gun at us, so I know it's worth it. It's weird if you think about it. And so the question is, why 
would anyone pay for someone else's system? And if they were so successful, why would they be just handing out their system? And the more you carefully think about it, the more you realize that their success, their bravado, their personality, part of the deal is being very persuasive and being able to get that money to hold these seminars, to rake in thousands, hundreds of thousands, even millions sometimes for the bigger ones, and to come out, pump their fists, clap their hands, play some music, um, recite their script, and some of the people must feel like, dude, I could have gotten this for free, like, I could have watched reruns or clips. So are you paying for the experience of togetherness? It's odd. It's odd. Now, I'm doing my recording free of cost. I don't want to make one cent off of it because this is a philosophical belief that I have. I believe that when you charge for something, when you charge for your service, there enters a contract between you and the participants. And I want my stuff to be pure, like a, a gift or a pure exchange, no strings attached. But that's just me. I have other ways of making money, and that's business. I built things out of wood when I was a child, and I loved it. I absolutely loved it up until the point where I started charging for it. And then it didn't take long for me to lose my love of carpentry, and it became a job. It changes things. Money changes things. It really does. And so these personal coaches that promise to teach you things for money, well, it's already changed things. Complex contracts have been initiated. I'm sure lots of people get great value from these, by the way. I'm not dissing any of these guys or the services they offer. I've actually read Tony Robbins' books. I've watched his YouTube clips. I've watched tons of inspirational guys, and I try to glean little items from them. But I've learned not to emulate them because all of these guys are just men or women. But usually these guys are men and they're faulted. They're human. I don't want to be like them. I don't want to look like them or sound like them. I am me. I am authentic person. I am me. And so when I'm talking to all y'all out there, hopefully, I'm conveying myself in an unobtrusive, unparasitic way. Like, I literally have no agenda except to convey my truth. I'm not hoping you will buy my line of vitamins. I'm not trying to trick you into joining my cult or my organization or anything like that. I'm not recruiting. In fact, my message is kind of the opposite. 
I believe, and I've come to believe over time, that we are individuals, and what we should value most is our own individuality and how it can contribute to the whole. And if we are getting in line behind someone and applying teacher X's system, then we're just going to be a, a lesser version of teacher X. We're going to be like a copy of a copy. And so let's look at this exchange of information and energy as it truly is. And we can draw a lot of parallels right now, a lot of parallels. And that's the idea here. Truth ripples outward. The truth is truth no matter how you fold it, how you cut it, how you slice it. Truth is truth. Okay. If you want to learn how to be a great chef, you have to watch and learn from great chefs. And then you'll have to distill the lessons and apply them to your own personal life style. You, you can't do what they do. We all live in a different place. We have access to different ingredients. We have different budgets. We're cooking for maybe our, just our family or just ourself. Or maybe we are trying to work our way up in the business. But whatever the case, there's nothing wrong from learning from teachers. In fact, it's a great way to learn. It's an easy shortcut to take to learn the tricks of the trade. But the difference I'm talking about here is distilling the lessons and making them your own, putting your own spin on it, your own individual, unique signature. There's something that happens where people fall in love with their icon and they follow them religiously and then they find fault with them and then they turn away from that fault and kind of keep following or they find a fault that is unforgivable and then they are like heartbroken and they have to dismantle this effigy they built to so and so and so a big principle here and we're talking about personal development a big principle here is recognizing yourself, the greatness and the flaws, and working on that, and not building an effigy to an icon, and not destroying an icon, and not going after other people's icons and dismantling them. See, this is a repeating theme in these talks and these meditative talks that I'm having with you guys there is no future in the dismantling and the destroying of other personalities none zero there is however a very bright future in developing yourself in unmasking your psyche there's a huge future in exploring your own personality through exploring your past 
exploring your wishes and desires and dreams and playing those out. Now, there's too many distractions and this is why people aren't doing these things because they're distracted. They're distracted with all kinds of things and anyone that's deeply unhappy or they're deeply disturbed, well, they just haven't done the work and things are festering inside of their psyche. They have unresolved issues. And we all deal with this, all of us. It's a very human, it's the human thing is to have stuff to deal with. And so we're taking away the illusions. Being super rich won't make me happy. Being an icon won't make me happy. Following someone else's plan to the T isn't going to make me happy or successful or whatever word you're looking for. Most people want to be happy. Maybe that's not realistic to be happy all the time. So let's use a different word called development. See, being happy all the time, it's a great goal, I guess, if you're looking to be a one-dimensional creature. But like even dogs get a little sad or tired sometimes. We should have a whole range of emotions. Now, if we want to increase our happiness or increase our excitement, that's great. But we have to look in the areas that we're not looking for that. We have to shine a light in those areas that are keeping us low. We have to shine a light on our own chains that are binding, that are holding. The problem with most people is that if they do think, they're not thinking clearly. How does one even think clearly? Well, this is my own lesson on personal development. Lesson number one, look at yourself in the mirror and just take a, like a really good look. Look at yourself completely all the way deep inside your eyes to the seat of your soul. Look at that person. Do you like them? It's a yes or no question. Do you like them? And if so, why? If not, why not? And you have to start exploring. And then you'll find that there are yeses and nos. Well, I like this, but I don't like this. I like this, but I don't like this. It's the things that you don't like about yourself that you really, really need to look at for personal development. That's where the good stuff is because that stuff can change. Now, most people, they actually turn away from the stuff they don't like and they focus on the things they like. And this is a very shallow way to develop yourself. And this will create problems. It's like putting a nice new veneer over a frame that's being eaten by termites. Sure, it looks great. That backsplash looks amazing. But when it falls apart in three years, you're not going to be too happy. We have to go to the frame. We have to go to the core, the foundation, the beginning, the beginning inception of who you are and how you became. 
in hypnotherapy, there's a thing called regression therapy where the hypnotherapist will take you back all the way back to memories that you can't normally access being very young, very, very young. This is where a lot of our critical problems originate. Three, four years old, even two and one, we start cognating complex ideas around these ages for the first time. And if we didn't have like a superb teacher, then we are filled with flawed things. Anyone that has a young child knows or I hope they do. I hope they know what they're doing to their kids. I really do. Anyone that has a young child should know that things you tell them, they take it to the bank. They build their personality off of it. So if you're telling your kid, oh, you'll never be nothing. Oh, your dad is a terrible person. Oh, the world is a horrible place, a scary place. They are going to build their core systems like that. And unfortunately, I think that many of us, we actually got filled up with that flawed logic. And so we have to go back to that stuff and fix it. We have to illustrate it in. The framing's off. The picture is ugly. And people try to patch over it by taking mm, mood-altering drugs whether they get it from the pharmacist or from an illicit substance dealer on the street. Substance is the mask. It is the patch to try to skip over the bad feelings we're harnessing. And these bad feelings are so deeply embedded that they terrify us. They do. And so we look away. And so for personal development, I mean... I've watched a lot of these guys and they don't really talk about this. They don't talk about this because it's not an easy fix and it's unpleasant. And actually you hearing about this is going to make you feel unpleasant. And so you're likely to turn away. But what I'm here to do is simply convey to those that are willing, willing to take the leap, that it is possible to go to those deep dark places and shine the light, explore through breathing through calming down your mind, through meditation, through these simple things, through fasting, right? Through on a day off, unplugging and putting your phone in the other room and not even looking at it, turning it off and just locking it up for 24 hours. If you empty yourself, you can go back to start. Go back to the start of when you were three, four, five years old, six, seven, eight. And a lot of us experienced some heavy trauma that maybe happened when you're 13 or 12, when we're developing, when puberty's setting in, and we're thrown into the shark tank in middle school. There is like trauma possible at every corner growing up. And these traumas vastly shape us in very important ways. They're, I like to say they're the frame that we're building our personality on. And this face that you see, this face, it's hanging on a frame that we built and the trauma is embedded in there. And so one fascinating thing, this is a little tangent, look at people's resting expressions. You can really do it easily online. 
um, actors, actresses pay attention during the interviews to their resting expressions. See, the subconscious, or what I call the superconscious mind, because it's vast, it's firing quick, like we're talking nanoseconds, and we are reliving out every moment of our life through the milliseconds. And so oftentimes, the resting expression will tell the story, whereas the facade, it likes to tell these fancy stories, it likes to read these scripts, it likes to relive the positive memories. That's great, but that's just the facade hanging, the frame inside, if you pay attention to that, that's where the stuff is. Personal development, stop emulating celebrities. Because if you've studied most of them, not all of them, not all of them, there's some good ones, but most of them have horrific resting expressions. They are deeply traumatized. And that's why a lot of people realize that's why they're searching for love and adoration and respect and admiration and acceptance because they didn't get it when they needed it most, i.e. childhood, ranging from birth all the way to like 13, 14, 15, when the adult starts to emerge. And we wonder, why are teenagers so effed up? Why do they do all these terrible things? Well, they realize what's happening inside. And people say, ah, hormones, hormones. That's so simplistic. That's so, it's such a simple approach. Yeah, hormones. Yeah, physiological changes. But think about the psychological implications. They are literally leaving their childhood behind once and for all. Their bodies are stretching and sprouting hair. I remember looking when I got my first armpit hair, I cried in the mirror. Side story there. Yeah, I took a moment and looked at it and I cried. And looking back, I think that was probably healthy. I think that was a healthy thing to do. Because it, it's sad, it's sad that you're leaving your childhood behind. That was it. That's it. It's over now. I'm considered a, a teen or a, a young adult. Too fast, too fast. And so we leave our childhood so fast and we never look back because we don't like what childhood is associated with. It's associated with being small, being tormented maybe. Maybe we're picked on in school, whatever it is. Maybe our parents got a divorce and it really, really shook our foundation. Or maybe even worse than that happened. And yet the child marches on into adulthood, burying the past, creating a cemetery of trauma. And then it's only expressed in these flashes and these micro expressions when, when a person is exhausted and can no longer put on the charade. So, I realized that was a lot. That's a lot to think about. But if we're talking about personal development, I'm the kind of life coach that doesn't really give a rat's ass about anything like what the other ones do. I'm not after accolades, money, respect, because 
I've worked through my stuff. In fact, that's been my number one task. And luckily, I didn't have too much. I had a pretty good childhood. Pretty good. No major trauma. And yet, I've met so many people that were sexually traumatized. They were molested. They were raped. So many friends have experienced trauma that I realized, wow, I'm like one of the few that made it through unscathed. And I've really done deep soul searching on, on like, what does that mean? What does that mean when I look out at the world at all these people? Well, it means that there's a lot of hurt people and these aren't bad people. These are just people that were children that got hurt. And they think they're alone because no one talks about it, except I was in a place where people did talk about it and they found out they weren't alone. And like, I was in a large group and like 90% of the people had been sexually abused or traumatized at a young age. Men, women, it happened at the hands of their families, in daycare, in school. And so it's a pretty, pretty wild and fantastic idea to think that most people have experienced this much trauma and they're masking it and covering it and suppressing it. And they say, oh, you aren't capable of working through that. You need to seek help. You need to go to a therapist. You need to go to a counselor. You need to get on medication. Well, what I'm saying is no. There's only one person that can fix that, and it's you. There's only one person that can fix it. No life coach can fix it for you. No therapist, no medication can fix it. All they can help you do is build a better mask. Put on a nice granite veneer over that rotting frame. Hope that it holds. Except this is what happens in adulthood. Life presses us and pushes us into a corner and we're forced to face it at some point. At some point, all the alcohol will wear off. All the drugs will wear off. All the distractions will wear off at some point. And it's not going to be a convenient point. And people have meltdowns. They have complete breakdowns. And this is very destructive. And what I'm advocating is actually the complete opposite of that experience. I'm advocating taking a proactive, head-on approach through time-tested techniques in my later sessions that we talk about, I'm recording these almost every morning. My later sessions are going to detail exactly how to do this. And they'll always be free, by the way. It's just a lot of information and a lot to get through. But we will go into exactly how to meditate. Exactly how to do it. Exactly how to go in and look at who you are and what you are. This is like an outline of it. In previous sessions, we've talked about the mirror meditation. We've talked about the five minute meditation. Today, I'll bring up for the first time, breathing. It's so basic, it's so basic. But this was actually a Vietnamese philosopher poet who's pretty famous wrote some books, wrote a lot of poetry. He was outspoken against the war. His name was something like 
Fitch, Fan, ah, I'm forgetting it. Amazing philosopher. He talks about the importance of breath. It's amazing. If you can just focus on your breathing for five minutes, you're literally mastering your mind. And so if you're breathing out, you say to yourself, I am breathing out. You're holding your breath out. You're saying, I'm holding my breath out. You begin to breathe in. You say, I'm breathing in. You hold your breath in. You say, I am now breathing in. If you do this a bunch of times, purity, clarity, that's what you get. And if you deep breathe like this, it completely recharges your whole system. You create your own chemistry balance in this way. Your blood can get super oxygenated. Okay? The drug that they give you at the dentist, that laughing gas stuff, you create your own. And so your mood begins to elevate. But essentially you're reorganizing your neural and information uplink. And you're engaging completely into your physiology. And there's no stray thoughts messing you up. No distractions, you see. Of course, no one has the time for that. Who has time for breathing and thinking about breathing? Who has time for thinking I am breathing? Well, try it. Try it. It might be highly effective for you. But it's a start. It's a start. See, there's a lot of breathing and talk of breathing in yoga. Okay? And we'll talk about yoga for a second because this fits in. A lot of people, they get into self-help and bettering yourself. And they find yoga or yoga finds them and they start practicing. And it's, it's more than stretching. I used to go to yoga classes and I was like the only dude there. Mostly women back when I was doing it. Now maybe it's more balanced. But there is should be a warning on that thing. Because if you do it and you're not doing it consciously and you're not aware, you can actually open up some doors. And so yoga, it's something that's kind of become westernized and treated casually. And people get super into it. And you get your little mat and your little outfit and you go to your classes and it can be kind of superficial. It can be some great stretches. But some of the really good yoga focuses on breathing. And this should be practiced with care. You should really look into this. It's kind of like driving. Yeah, it's great. You can go places. You can get behind the wheel and drive 10 miles. But you kind of need to learn how to do it because there are things you can do wrong and you can open up doors that are kind of dangerous. I, I never liked this idea of opening up the kundalini and allowing this serpent to slither up your spine and activate. Um, it just seemed weird to me. Like, I don't want to open up that lower door and allow a serpent up my spine. It just sounded wrong, and so I didn't do it. Instead, I just focused on my breathing in that class, and I kind of faded out of yoga. And now I do some stretching. I don't do yoga. If you do yoga, make sure to be careful. Practice care. Because if you're someone with 
some core issues that you're trying to work on, it's better to work on those core issues instead of putting on fancy pants and carrying your mat and stretching and posing with a bunch of other people following a teacher. That's my two cents. See, we're talking about groupthink now, aren't we? And that's the whole problem with most of these gurus, life coaches, ministers, rabbis, anyone who seeks to give you their script. There's an agenda there. If you look deeply, there's always an agenda. They want you to come back. They want, maybe it's the fee they're after. Everyone has to work, and I'm not knocking that. If you can work and be your passion, great. But it's a difficult balance to come from an authentic, genuine, helpful place when there's a price attached. That's just the way it is. It's a catch-22, okay? And so if you're in church and they start passing the collection thing around, you start wondering, hey, what's this really about? Who gets to control all that money? Why does the minister drive a Mercedes-Benz? Why does he live in a $500,000 house? Why is this church so big and vast? And why do I keep giving money? All I'm saying is that somewhere along the line, you have to start asking these questions. Like, am I connecting with God here? Or am I paying for renovations? Am I paying for this guy to take good care of himself? See what I mean? And so all these people have something in common. These life coaches, these teachers, these ministers, counselors, therapists, all of them have a common element. And that is that they started off wanting to help, right? I mean, I think that's it. They started off wanting to help and then they thought, how can I help? Well, I can show my way and I develop my way and I show my way. Ooh, but who's gonna take care of me? How am I gonna pay my rent? And gosh, I need a car and this and that. And that's when they started creating an agenda, right? An agenda to make money. And if you've got two nerve cells to rub together in that brain of yours, you can see that that would be a conflict of interest. You can see that as soon as someone starts thinking about how to make money, that it's business. This is business. And business is something entirely different than self help or self-exploration entirely different now people have tied it together because they equate money to success right and with money you can take better care of yourself and buy better food right you can live in a safer place and drive a better car and go where you want and do what you want agreed money's nice having it Everyone needs it because that's the world we live in. Essentially. Essentially, you need to have some money. But paying money to someone to help you is not going to get you the help you need. 
And that's the point I'm making. If it was as simple as paying money to get better, you would have a world full of saints. You would have a world without hunger, a world without thirst, a world without sickness. But the world we have is a world full of dilemmas, of consequences, of problems, of extremely complex ecosystems. We have a world of nations full of corruption. And so why would the self-help field be any different? The more you dive into these types of topics, you realize that holographic truths repeat, right? They're fractal replicas. So truth repeats. Truth is a repeating thing. And deception is also a repeating phenomenon. There's a formula to it. There's a formula and it goes a little something like this. Yo, let me tell you something. You're unhappy and I can fix you. I'll give you the secret recipe. I'll tell you, I've cured this guy. I've helped this guy. Look at this guy. He's doing great. And this is, by the way, also how Ponzi schemes work or a pyramid scheme. You say, do you have this problem? Well, I have the solution. Let me tell you about it. All you need to do is sign up, pay me $50, give me your email, and then I will email you a full report on how you can create a six-figure income working 30 minutes a day from your home. And then you pay and sign up and you realize it's like an eight-page report with affiliate links. And now you have to sell this scheme to 10 more people to make your money back. Dude, something's wrong here. Something is very wrong here, okay? And so anyone that's ever been involved in one of these knows how it ends. You know how it ends. You end up with 50 less dollars and now your friends make fun of you because you were trying to sell them a line of vitamins or whatever it was, whatever affiliate marketing program or whatever Ponzi or whatever self-help thing. See, it's all the same. That's my point. It repeats. And as you go through life and you gain experience and you see that, you start to question, hmm, what is even valid? And that's the point right here. It's all, all of it is internal, meaning truth is inside. No one can give you a ticket to heaven. No one can give you a secret formula to be super healthy. No one can hand you a six-figure income. The common thread is it takes lots of hard work. It takes lots of work, lots of digging. It's like framing any structure, putting in big columns. It's heavy work, it's hard, it's time consuming. But to create a nice structure, it's what you need, okay? And most people are focused on the surface of things. And that's how they get you guys. That's how they get you. 
because we're a surface society focused on appearances, focused on politeness, focused on manners, focused on the idea of equality and the idea of respect. But meanwhile, who are we? You get me? And so if you're looking for your teacher, look in the mirror. If you're looking for a monster, look in the mirror. If you're looking for the child that's been hurt, look in the mirror. There's one person that can get you out of this and it's you. I'm just another guy that's gonna give you some tools. I'm gonna give you some tools because that's my thing. It's what I do. It's what I like to do. And there, you have it. That's my agenda. My agenda is expressing a painstaking system that I have applied to myself. And I've had ups and downs. I've had tons of struggles. I've shed countless tears. I've got bumps and scrapes along the way. I've alienated people. I've said the wrong things. I've lashed out because I'm imperfect. I'm imperfect. And I've looked at this imperfection and I've said, I don't like this. I don't like who I'm becoming right now. And I've been drawn to meditation. I've been drawn to understanding the mind and how hypnosis works and how trance works. I'm drawn to the idea of no drugs at all. Absolutely zero pharmaceutical drugs. I'm drawn to the idea of staying far, far, far away from the medical system because I've seen what they do. I've seen exactly how they operate. But we're taught to go there. And so that's the first wall that you have to break through. We're taught that when you're sick, you go to the doctor. We're taught that when you're having mental problems, you go to the therapist. We're taught that when you're curious about God, you sign up to a church. Well, who taught us those things? Remember the whole agenda thing? Do you think that the government is clean in all of this? Do you think that the educational system is clean somehow somehow they're just immaculate do you think that the medical industry actually aims to solve the puzzle or do you think that they are the puzzle do you think that they're implicated money 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 that's the common theme there in all of those. It's all about dollars and cents. It's all about control and corruption. It's all about greed because most people are deeply and profoundly injured and they're looking to take it out on someone else. That's the unpleasant truth that I've kind of deduced. Now there are plenty of good people. There are. And I think that things can change. I think they are changing. 
but it changes one person at a time and it happens pretty slow because most people just want to be comfy and the system will play on that and prey on that until there are no more people that are willing to sell their soul for comfort, for money, for power. Is that day to day? No. I hope to see it someday, but I'm not too hopeful. All I can do is work on myself. I can help my children to understand these things in their own way. But I can't convince anyone of anything. All I can do is talk into this little recording device like a time capsule hoping that somewhere, someday someone gets this and it clicks and we start to make this world a better place one person at a time slow and steady it's the organic way